You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I am Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team, tested to the final minute at Penn State, came away with the victory to keep its Big Ten title and playoff hopes alive. We discuss that game and all of its implications coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. Well, you know, I, as I've said on this pod and as I've said to you guys even more, I like to say save it for the pod. But this time we've really taken it to an extreme. I mean, you guys obviously at the game and you know traveling together have, have discussed it plenty, I'm sure. But I haven't discussed it with you. It's going to be all all fresh. Uh, so I'll, I'll just start right with kind of the beginning, big picture. What did you think of the game? Uh, it was a game Michigan had to win, obviously, as so we talked about going in. They did the job. I, I don't think the offense was particularly impressive. But this was another case where the defense came up big and, and won, I think won the game for them. I mean, Penn State probably should have scored a few more points than they did. You know, it was very much kind of apropos of the Michigan game a few weeks ago against Michigan State where they left a lot of points on the board having to settle for field goals and the like. Michigan's defense played outstanding. You know, we can get into it more here, you know, in a second. But, you know, we've talked about this all season long. But, you know, coming into this year, I thought the defense was going to be the weak weak point of this of this team just because of the new scheme and new coordinator and everything else. They are miles and miles ahead of, I think, where they many of us expected them to be. I don't think they've faced some, you know, you know high-powered explosive offenses – but the teams they have faced, they've done a very good job. And man, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo are just having the, the seasons of their lives. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, after that first quarter, or at the start of the first quarter, after Penn State had two drives and drove it down into Michigan ter- territory, I'm like, oh, here we go again. I mean, Michigan on the road in a tough environment against Penn State, like they, where they've struggled the last two times. And they had that one drive to, and got some points out of it. And Kind of their defense really locked down. And yeah, like Aaron said, that pass rushing duo is, uh, it's got to be the best in the country. I'm trying to think of a team with with two pass rushers that have been as dominant as Aiden and David Ojabo. And I just, I can't right now. So I would be curious to see if the roles were, were reversed and Jim Harbaugh made some of the decisions James Franklin made on, on Saturday and <laughs> what the response would have been like for fans. Because I think Penn State definitely had some chances to win that game too, especially early on, kind of put some more pressure on Michigan. And uh, they kind of failed to do that and allowed Michigan to kind of take over control. Uh, you talked about the pass rushing. I mean, the first drive of that game, we we all talked about at some point, you know, in previewing this game. This is some version of it was going to be a rough day for Sean Clifford. I mean, I, if you had asked me in that during that first drive, is this guy going to make it through the game? I'd say absolutely not. Uh, he deserves he deserves some respect for just for completing the game and you know, kind of playing playing well throughout. I mean, as well as he could, given the the duress he was under. I mean, that first drive at, at times there may as well have not been an offensive line out there at all uh, with some of the the rush they were getting. Of course, Penn State still still comes across, away with three points on that drive, you know, due to the to the fake punt. But yeah, it it was just it was unbelievable, um, you know, defense from from Michigan throughout. But yeah, it was they had chances to 
get a bigger lead. It seemed like it should have been way bigger than, you know, seven to six at half. And, you know, you give, you give Penn, you let Penn state hang around and sure enough, they go and they go and take the lead, you know, at the end, but you know, Michigan responded with, with a drive when it needed it. Zook, to your point, Michigan is the only team in the country with two players in the top 10 in sack numbers. Obviously this is statistically and, and obviously statistics and tape are sometimes different, but you're right. I, I think Michigan by, by and large, probably has the two best sack duel in, in the, uh, in the country. And, and it's, it showed up on tape. I mean, they've played fantastically. I think Aiden's opened things up for a and yeah, it was a nightmare day for Sean Clifford. I mean, the offensive line couldn't stop anything. Like there were times where like a was lining up on like Penn state had no answer from, there's no one like trying to block him. And it was like, what, what's going on here? So they got the quarterback at will. I mean, they were living in the backfield for that, especially that first quarter, first half. And it was kind of boom or bust for Penn State's offense. They they hit a few big plays here, but by and large, almost every play, it was Michigan getting the quarterback in some capacity. It was very much like apropos of Don Brown's defense a couple of years ago. I mean, that was kind of how he lived. This time, Michigan was successful. I mean, they, they played that bend, don't break defense. And, you know, Penn State was able to move the ball in some capacity, but they weren't able to score touchdowns. And, you know, it, that continued throughout the game. You know, Michigan struggled offensively there in the second half, putting stuff together and holding on to that lead. But the end, I mean, the defense just came up, you know, huge stop after stop, field goal after field goal. And it really gave Michigan a position there, you know, a situation there where they they could win the game at the end. Seven sacks, 31 pressures, both a, a season high for Michigan uh, on Saturday, which is just a, a crazy high number. I mean, the fact that Sean Clifford put up the numbers he did, like even on that first drive for him to kind of scramble and evade pressure and, and picked up chunk yardage a couple of times. Like, wow, like, is this guy going to have to do it all for, for Penn State today? Because they have talented receivers, but there's just no time for them to get open when when he drops back and, and David Ojabo or Aiden Hutchins is already in, in his face. So, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, the pass rush is kind of key them to victory. But, I mean, Penn State still put up over 300 yards. So, I mean, they, they moved the ball sometimes, but the, the red zone defense came to play and, and the offense had that drive when they needed to. It was kind of – it was at that point, it's like, wow, it seemed like Penn State had all of the momentum. And for Hassan Haskins to touch the ball almost like 75% of the time above the offensive touches – I did not see that happening, even with Blake Coramau. That that seems like a lot of touches for for Hassan, but it it was a smart decision on the coaching staff because man, he can run hard and picked up yards after contact at will once again. Let's talk about that final drive. I mean, it, it's almost like if it if it doesn't work, I could just see the the critics coming out because the play calling it was interesting. I mean, it was kind of what we've seen from Michigan most of the year. Hassan Haskins, you know, kind of between the tackles, you know, kind of these crossing routes to tight ends. That's kind of been what. They're, they're bread and butter, but, you know, it, it worked. I mean, they, you know, Haskins, you know, pops a decent w- one to start, you know, keeps moving the chains from there. And then, you know, the, the game winner, the McNamara to Eric all, which, you know, you guys have a bigger, literally bigger picture view of that play, you know, being h- higher up as opposed to on TV. But to me, when he catches that ball, you know, there, at no point am I thinking he's going to score a touchdown until he does. I mean, it's like, all right, it's going to be a five yard game. Oh, 10, 15. And they just, he just kind of outran guys and, and and got up the sideline. Uh, yeah, what, what did that play look like from your vantage point? I, I think Eric and the coaching staff probably were surprised at how wide open that situation was. You know, when I saw him catch the ball, I saw all open field. So I, mm-hmm. I figured he'd be able to make it, you know, to the end zone. And after we asked him about it after the game, and, you know, he said his ankle was bothering him. Keep in mind, he's been dealing with a high ankle sprain the last couple of weeks. It's one of the reasons why he set out last week and, and, and you know, missed part of the game, you know, after before that. But, like, 
he was injured. I mean, he, he said he caught that ball and he turned up and he felt the ankle. Uh, and it's one of the reasons I think maybe he was, he was the Penn state defender caught up with him near the end zone. It was a big play. I mean, keep in mind before that play, Michigan's biggest play from scrimmage, from scrimmage offensively was a 25 yard catch. So they, they hadn't exactly had a ton of explosive plays prior to that. Um, it was clear to me that they were obviously leaning on Hassan and trying to at least at the very least get in field goal range because he had obviously it racked up a bunch of yards, but hadn't breaking that explosive play. I mean, obviously they're counting on that, but at, to that point, there had been no proof of that. So I think they're settling for field goal, you know, field goal range at that, at that point, at the very least, uh, they had crossed over midfield and then it happened. You know, it was, it's a funny because Eric, we asked, obviously we asked Eric after the game about it and he, the Penn state defenders were kind of poking him saying, yeah, we knew you're, we know you're hurt. We know you can't do much. So they, I think they, in a way they were kind of le- leaning off him, not expecting a big play like that to break. And you know, lo and behold, uh, you know, it, it determines the game. You really showed them. Yeah. <laughs> I think those five Hassan Hastings run really set that play up too. Cause I mean, if you're Penn state and like, you're just, and they're kind of just trying to run that ball down your throat, uh, that, that's gotta be exhausting late in the fourth quarter too. And then just to, to drop back and then, then hit Eric all who was relatively quiet before then on that little crossing route. I mean, I think that was set up by Hassan Hastings there. And I too thought he had a really good chance at scoring, uh, maybe not all the way to the end zone, but at least within the 10 yard line with how wide open he was. It was just like, I, mean, I just remember the press. I'm like, what the, like, how, how does he, how does he get that wide open? Like, I mean, right. it's not like, like, how does that happen? Yeah. So great route and great catch and run. And, and the defense held right after that too. You, you thought that Penn State was at least going to put some pressure on and maybe pick up a few first downs after, after, uh, mission went down to store, but forced a, a turnover do- on downs right away. And, and of course, Hassan was able to run off the clock with a few more hard runs. So just an incredible performance by him too. And and he showed he could catch the ball out of the backfield too. A couple screen passes, uh, run a few routes out of the backfield. Uh, that was the most surprising thing about him too, because we all know that Blake Porham's their primary receiving back, but it's like, whoa, Hassan had a team high five catches. Like who, who would have guessed that? So 70 of 72 snaps, just a, a dynamite performance from him. And it could happen again moving forward if Blake is not able to return in the regular season. Right. I mean, it's clear that that's part of their, you know, offense, getting the ball to the to the running back in the pass game. And they couldn't, they weren't just willing to eliminate it um, just because they didn't have quorum this week. So yeah, final numbers, you know, the five catches for 45 yards and then the 31 rushes for 156 yards. You know, Donovan Edwards got two carries. Uh, A.J. Henning got one. McNamara credited with with four, but that some of those are just when he's sacked or scrambling or whatever. But I'm not recalling a design run for him, but I, I could be forgetting. But e- either way, I mean, 31 of, of, you know, the 41, you know, total carries. Yeah, I mean, they had to lean on him and and they did. Uh, did Corum, I mean, did Corum make the trip or did he not even? Corum did not make the trip, was not there. Yeah, so obviously that that's something to watch again, you know, going forward. And, you know, I could see people thinking at this point, Okay, can they they could maybe get by without him for Maryland and make sure he's healthy for Ohio State? I mean, yeah, I guess that that's the ideal scenario. But if he's ready to go, they're definitely going to play him. You don't want to have to have Haskins shoulder so much of a load for for a third straight week if you don't if you don't have to. You know, speaking of of, of again, you know, kind of the the tandem running back situation they've had to a lesser extent a tandem quarterback situation throughout much of the year. And JJ McCarthy no snaps on Saturday. I didn't see him out there. No snaps. He was, he was in uniform. He was there. It was, it was, you know, I think Ryan said something to me about it, you know, toward the end of the second half, like J, has JJ come, come in and like, no, he, he hasn't, which, you know, which is, 
odd because we've seen so much of, of them alternating and, and them throwing JJ in for you know the occasional situation. There was none of that on Saturday. It was it was all Cade. You know, nineteen to twenty nine. 217 yards, three touchdowns. He played again. It was fine. He had that fumble to, near the end that obviously was it was a big one. Um, I'm not necessarily going to put all the blame on him for that. I mean, it, you know, it is yeah, what he it got is. blindsided there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at, again, he he did his job. Didn't make too many mistakes. You know, he he was by and large, you know, again, played his, his same old same old. Yeah, I can't say that no, that that was surprising that JJ didn't play. I mean, it, it's tough to, if you don't get him in early, it's tough to justify bringing him in late in, in that environment with, with so much on the line. I mean, Michigan was locked in a tight game and with what happened at, at Michigan state too. I mean, I think it's, it's tough to, to trust the true freshman quarterback a couple of weeks after that happened and throw him in into that tough environment with, with so much riding on this game. So when he didn't play in the first half, it's like, all right, yeah, there's, I really doubt that we'll see him in, in the second half unless Michigan somehow gets out to a huge lead, which obviously did not happen. That, that's a good point you brought up and that's something I really thought of. You know, the atmosphere there at Beaver Stadium was loud and raucous and it did get to the Michigan offense in some regards. You know, they were penalized a handful of times, a couple, a handful of, you know, false starts. So, the, the, you know, the noise was getting to them. So that's a good point you brought up, you know, but you wonder too, like, could they have used JJ more in run situations and don't reads and, and RPO stuff without Cora? Maybe it would have helped them. You know, I, obviously, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, you know, drawing up the game plan, but they obviously went, the, you know, decided not to. And save them for uh, for for you know next few games, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense given you know some of the carelessness he's shown with the ball not to not to play him. But I, I bring it up because it is different than every other game this season when he had played. So it was it was interesting. I agree there didn't just seem to be that spot, especially in the second half. But yeah, it's just it's interesting that you know he didn't. You know, one other like kind of smaller thing. I, I don't know if you guys noticed it as much being there, but like the refs seem to be getting in the way. Quite a bit. They uh, a couple went down. I mean, at least I mean, maybe it's the same. I remember the same one. Guy. I remember one too. Yeah, there, there is at least two. There's like one in the end zone. I think, I think um, Roman Wilson's second touchdown catch. One guy went down. Probably wasn't expecting a pass there. I certainly wasn't. <laughs> but yeah, that was, it was it's kind of an interesting uh, little little piece of this game as well. Yeah, I guess I guess what what else stood out? I mean, we've talked we've talked mostly about about the good. You know, the kind of shaky is you know the the passing game again. You know, McNamara protected the ball, like you said. He had he had the one fumble where he just, you know, he got he got he got lit up by a pass rusher there, and that's a tough ass to to hold on to that ball. Um, but you know, no interceptions, nineteen to twenty nine, two hundred and seventeen yards. I don't know. I guess I to me, it just gets back to the same thing we've talked about for for much of the season. You know, where's where's that game breaker? Eric All, you know, is a is a is a weapon as a as a tight end, but still not really a vertical threat. And I don't know. I just don't. I don't see the other where that star receiver is on this. That, that game breaker is playing for Texas right now. And his name's Xavier worthy. <laughs> Aaron and I were watching yeah. some of that Texas game again. And he had what, two or three touchdowns. He has, I think 10 or 11 now this season, which is more than all of Michigan receivers combined. And it's like, man, if Mich- that, that's what Michigan's offense is missing, that sort of game breaking talent. It's hard to th- not think about what could have been with in that situation, but they yeah, faced them in fantasy this weekend uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> eliminated paid me. The price. I sure did. I'm out. <laughs> I will say, you know, they're they're just not trying the deep ball. They can't convert the deep ball. You know, they're not trying a ton. I think again, part of it is the inability of of to hit it. I think you're seeing a lack of separation from some of these receivers, and that's why they've leaned on the short intermediate game for the bulk of this season. I think that's just what they're more more comfortable doing. It's probably where they think they have the edge with with some of these younger receivers. 
but you're right. There is no standout guy that can go go out and, and get a big pass consistently. You know, we've seen it at times. Cornelius has done it at times. Roman's done it at times. Xander still had a couple of good games, but no one's really put it together for someone they can lean on game in and game out like that Ronnie Bell. Again, it just goes back to the loss of him. I, I think it was drastic. I think this passing game would, would be a little bit more dynamic with him in there. But you know, it is what it is. He's out. You can't you can't complain. You can't, you know, can't use it as an excuse. They got to figure out ways to to move on without him. The passing game certainly didn't help their situation on Saturday. You know, nonetheless, Michigan got the win. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters right now, specifically with ranking regards to rankings and the playoff and the Big Ten title race. Well, what's surprising to me is is the lack of usage for for AJ Henning. It just doesn't seem like he's a guy that Michigan trusts to to run any sort of route downfield. Like I feel like probably 90% of his touches this year have been on those little reverses or, or jet sweeps or, or whatnot. And, and he's, they just never can get the ball in his hands downfield. And at that point it's starting to become predictable. He had that one on Saturday and, it, and Penn state sniffed it out for a four yard loss. And it's like, all right, that I feel like when he is out there, teams are gearing up for that. So I, I, yeah, they, they really do not have a reliable deep threat right now. And with Ohio state, state looming, which seems to have like 15 deep threats on their team, that's, that's going to be a primary concern heading into that game. Yeah. I mean, from that side of the ball, Michigan, you know, we talked a lot about Jahan Dotson going into this game, nine catches, 61 yards, no touchdowns long of 17, like put that stat line out there. Michigan would have accepted that 10 times out of 10. Obviously the pass rush was a big, part of that, but still to limit him like that. And, you know, Clifford overall, you know, just 205 yards passing. Yeah. Michigan will, Michigan will take that. That's a very, it's a very positive sign going forward for this team. Yeah. And they did a good job last year handling him. I mean, they limited him last, last year. And again, just like last year, Parker Washington had a big game on Saturday, four catches, 92 yards, you know, he had that 44 yard, you know, long ball, I guess, or long play, but yeah, Michigan secondary and defense is from the passing perspective. I thought it was fine. I mean, they, they did what they had to do. Clifford, again, didn't have a lot of time to throw the ball, and that played a big factor into it. But that, that was the MO here. I mean, you get pressure on Clifford, force him to make a decision early and get the ball out early, otherwise face the repercussions. And Clifford, looking at the stats, faced repercussions often Saturdays. You know, as you guys mentioned, seven sacks, Michigan had 12 TFLs. Uh, they were just all over the place, and it's it's a big reason for why they won. And, you know, they'll be tested through the air, you know, this coming Saturday at Penn State, uh, Talia Tungavailoa, uh, I think I got that out right. You know, they'll throw 40, 50 times a, a game easily. Uh, he, had, he had a rough stretch during, you know, the three-game losing streak, throwing a lot of interceptions, not not racking up high yardage. But the last three games, he's thrown it for at least 350 yards, cracked 400 in one of those, you know, better touchdown-interception ratio. Maryland still lost, uh, you know, two of those three games, most recently uh, at, at Michigan State. 40 to 21 on Saturday, but still they've got a pass happy offense and some, some talent on that side of the ball. So that'll be a, a good test leading into then Ohio state. I was just going to say a really good tune, tune up for that, you know, ahead of Ohio state, you know, it's, they're probably like a poor man, you can compare them to like a poor man's Ohio state. They're just not as good, not as explosive, not as effective, but that's their MO. I mean, they're going to try and throw the ball, get down yard, you know, get down the field quickly. So it should be, yeah, it should be a good test. You know, I'm hesitant to call of calling this a trap game just because Michigan, Maryland hasn't really shown a history of being able to compete or hang with Michigan. But it's certainly, uh, you know, a good good lead into uh, what's probably going to be a winner-take-all game against Ohio State in a couple of weeks. Probably going to be. I'm glad I <laughs> used that word because a lot, of, a lot of folks, it's almost like, do I need to write a story with the headline, Michigan does not control its own destiny because there just seems to be confusion. Uh, I don't know if Michigan fans are just 
assuming Michigan State is going to lose uh, at Ohio State this coming Saturday. Um, I am. Okay, that's fine. And that's fine. But but the Spartans do control their own destiny. Um, you know, they win the they win that game. They win their next one. They only have one loss. Everyone else then has at least one loss. And they've they've beaten those two other teams then in that scenario, Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan cannot be cannot be tied, you know, with Michigan State, you know, and and, and win this and win the Big Ten because they lost the head to head. So that that ends that conversation real quick. So Michigan needs that second loss for Michigan State. Then of course they need to beat Ohio State and, and then then they're then they're in there, but do not exactly control their own destiny. There, there's no way that Michigan and Michigan State both get in the playoff, is there? If they both went out, I was racking my brain there. You know, and <laughs> I, I think if okay, so say Michigan State does beat Ohio State Saturday. Yep, and Michigan beats Maryland. I think the playoff committee will probably jump Michigan State over Michigan because they're looking at they seem to be looking at latest wins and losses and, and everything else. They seem seem to be factoring that in. I don't know. I, it's tough because, you know, assume if Michigan State does, in fact, win out, they're in the, the Big Ten title game. And I think a lot will hinge on what happens there. You know, if they go through there and win, you know, that it's loss. A good, it's a good question. Michigan would then have the win over Ohio State in that scenario. Won't mm-hmm. have the opportunity to play in the Big Ten title game, but the lone loss would be to a Michigan State team that would have run the table. Otherwise, it's a great question, Ryan. Obviously, in fact, it matters what else happens. Um, but, you know, you've already seen, you know, Oklahoma loses and, yeah, there's the door. The door is open for that possibility. It's not crazy. And Oregon hasn't really looked very good since they beat Ohio State too. They've won every, or, and they they would have that loss to Stanford too. So would you take like a one loss Oregon team that lost to Stanford over Michigan that lost to Michigan State, who would also be in the playoff too? Like even if Oregon wins the Pac-12 title, I mean, there's not much. I don't, I don't think that that conference is as good as the Big Ten too. So, it, it, I mean, it's not going to happen. There's no way Ohio State loses to both, but it's it is a kind of fun little possibility to to think about. It is, and yeah, I mean, you can't. We we talk about Ohio State at some point. I feel like on this pod almost every week. You, you have to if you're if you're Michigan or Ohio State, you're you're always looking at the other uh, at least a little bit every every week. And yeah, I, I just think. Michigan is going to have to have more offensively as good as their defense is as good as you, you know, the pass rush is that can then negate some of those, those playmakers. Cause if they can't get the ball to them, it doesn't really matter. Ohio state's still going to score points. Um, they're still going to get into the, the high twenties or thirties. You'd, you'd think. So Michigan's going to have to, to match that with a little more of a potent attack that we just, we just haven't, haven't quite seen. Um, but you know, you get Blake Corum back, you've got a chance, I think at least, um, you know, a better, a better chance going in than you've had in the last several years. The stars are going to need to align offensively. They're going to yep. need to have their best game of the year. You're right. They're going to need Corum back. Everyone's going to need to be healthy. They're going to need to be able to throw the ball. They're going to have to hit some deep balls just to, I think, you know, stay in it. You know, earlier I said, I don't see Michigan State beating Ohio State. I, at this point, I still don't see Michigan beating Ohio State. That being said, I do think Michigan's a little bit more better equipped to hang with them. So I think mm-hmm. it certainly should be a game. But whether they, you know, they can get past them remains to be seen. There's a lot to, a lot to unpack here over the next couple of weeks. And they got to get through Maryland first. Uh, we need to see what happens here in the Michigan State-Ohio State game. Uh, but it should be a fun next couple of weeks. This Big Ten title in the Big Ten East race has been a lot of fun. Even the West is is a wild, wild scenario right now, too. So It is. I mean, so, you know, Ohio State's put up at least 50 in five of their last seven games. One, two, three. Four, five, yeah, but the two they didn't, you know, Penn State and Nebraska, they they struggled a little bit. Two of the maybe better better defenses, you know, those were games that Michigan was was tight against. I I think 
I think this game will be, you might not think Michigan State's going to win, and I, you know, I'm not going to be picking them either, but it'll be a good test for, for Ohio State, too, to kind of see where they stand going into to the Michigan game. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, I mean, it's quite the finish for Ohio State with these two, you know, two top team, other top teams here in the, in the Big Ten closing out with them game day. We'll, we'll be there in Columbus for the Michigan State game, and then what do you think? I mean, Michigan and Ohio State both win. They then come into the Ann Arbor the next week. I, I have to think so, you know, and Saturday should play out nicely because you got Michigan State, Ohio State games at noon and then the Michigan, Maryland games at 3.30. So by the time the Michigan game kicks off, we'll have a better idea of where things stand in the, the standings and, and, and Michigan will kind of know what will happen with Michigan State. So it's should be a, it should be a fun day of football. But yeah, I mean, if, if both teams win, Ohio State, Michigan, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be uh, bedlam uh, in a couple of weeks in Ann Arbor. All right, well, we'll have coverage from all angles on mlive.com slash Wolverines, as well as another podcast later this week. So stay tuned and thanks for listening.